Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You can just kind of imagine the scene at somebody's home in Nazareth. Door opens and closes. Is, is that you, honey? Yes. How was worship today? Well, it was okay. Well, the game's about to start, so come on in. What did they talk about in church today? Well, Joe and Mary's kids showed up. Who? You know, Jesus, Joe, Joe's kid. Oh, yeah, I heard he had ministry that he was starting up in Capernaum. Uh-huh. So how did it go? Did he say anything? Uh-huh. And? Well, they tried to stone him and throw him off a cliff. And he looks up from the game for just a moment and says, well, if worship was like that every week, I might go more often. <laughs> Say, can you grab me a cold one out of the fridge on your way in? And then back to normal. How do you do that? How do you do that when somebody has stood up in worship with the power and the authority in his voice that Jesus had? and unrolls from the scroll of Isaiah a key section of the Song of the Suffering Servant, a fragment of scripture that encapsulates every hope, every desire, every longing of a people who are under occupation by Rome. They are asking God, begging God, seeking God every day to send them Messiah the Christ. Messianic hope at the time of Jesus had reached a fever pitch, and it had focused itself in a couple of key fragments in which the prophet seemed to suggest that an age-old instruction to the Jews, right out of the Levitical law code, this age-old instruction that they should keep a jubilee something which scholars tell us they never actually practiced, Isaiah said they would one day fulfill. What is a jubilee? You know the word, but it had a very specific meaning. For the people of God were meant to keep a Sabbath every seven days. And after six years of growing crops in their field, they were to give the land a Sabbath. On the seventh year, they would eat what they had gleaned in the sixth year, and they would not plant the fields, but they would give God's creation a rest. And after seven cycles of seven, after 49 years, on the 50th year, they should declare a jubilee. And all the property lines and all the things that had been bought and sold would revert to the original boundaries for the 11 tribes plus the Levites that had come into the land in the time of Joshua. Let me set that again. Banks have to give up their mortgages. Anybody ready for a jubilee yet? <laughs> Student debts are canceled. Anybody ready for a jubilee yet? 
Anyone who was in service, in bond service to somebody else because of a debt would have it forgiven. Old wounds were forgiven. Old injuries were pardoned. Everything returned to a place of stasis. Jubilee was the thing that they were looking for. And when Messiah came, he would set up the Lord's table in such a way that every day you could come and eat until you were satisfied because the bounty of the Lord would be enough that everyone in the land, even the sojourners in the land, would have enough to eat. We will leave the gleanings in the corner of the field so that somebody who's just making their way through our town will call us blessed instead of wiping the dust off their feet against us. This is the place of God's favor this is the place of God's bounty. There is plenty to eat at the Lord's table, so come and have your fill. In other words, give us this day our daily bread. This prayer we call the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for the Jubilee. When Jesus taught his disciples who said to him, teach us how to pray as John taught us to pray, what he taught them was to say the prayer of the Jubilee. And they say, we already know that. And he went on to say, yeah, but if you pray it from a heart that is filled with purpose, if you pray it from a pure heart, then you pray with effectiveness. Jesus had come into the world had lived and grown with his parents in Nazareth. He had gone out to be baptized in the Jordan with John and all the others. And there the skies opened up, the dove came fluttering down, and he heard God tell him, you are the one, the chosen. And the Holy Spirit drove him immediately into the wilderness, and there he went through a time of sifting. Having received God's affirmation, he now has to withstand the withering attack of the devil and his accusations. Confident in the Lord's presence, now certain that he has enough armor to withstand the devil, he makes his way out of the wilderness again. And the scriptures in Luke say, and the devil waited for an opportune time. Well, it didn't take long. This is the great unconfessed secret of the church across the land that one of the first places the enemy of the church comes to try to stick the knife in is right here where we're sitting. Jesus began a ministry in Capernaum. Capernaum was a very eclectic place, and there were a lot of non-Jews living there. And because Isaiah's song of the servant says that I have appointed you to be a light to all the nations, to the marginal people, and to the foreigners and to the Gentiles, you will be a light to everyone. And Jesus took that to heart. He took it to mean, I am supposed to take the message out. So he began teaching in and around Capernaum. And he offered the gospel to anyone who wanted to hear it. And then he came to Nazareth. People are funny about hometowns. They really are. Two years after I graduated from Glendora High School, a guy who had changed his name to his stepfather's surname, a guy named Tony Robbins, enrolled at Glendora High School. And they still bust with pride because the great motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, came from Glendora High School. It feels good when somebody comes from your hometown or high school. Would you take just 20 seconds and tell the person next to you what famous person went to your high school?
thank you. My wife is over here telling one of her best friends about the 75 people that went to her high school that were famous. Did anybody tell you, tell your neighbor that you are the most famous person that went to your high school? Anybody? No? Uh, I can tell you Glendora High School never talks about me. But that's all right. We are that way about people from the hometown, aren't we? You can imagine that the people of Nazareth were busting with pride. Busting with pride because Jesus was coming home. And so he read, and he read from Isaiah, and he set the scroll down and he said to them, with a clarity and authority that they had never heard before, today, today, this day, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. He has made me Christ. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, relief to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all who are oppressed, and to announce that right now, right here, right in this moment is the year of God's favor. Jubilee has begun. Hmm. Excuse me, Rabbi, could I go talk to my financial advisor before you finish proclaiming that the year of Jubilee has arrived? I have a few adjustments I need to make. Hey, is, isn't that Joe and Mary's kid? What's he talking like that for? Jesus saw the look of amazement on their face, and he said, now there's a proverb you're going to want to, to uh, quote to me right now. Physician, heal thyself. In other words, you did all these miracles up in Capernaum. Come on, let's see something. Let's see who this favorite son has really become. Let's see you do something. Sing us a great song, choir, would you? Lay your hands on us and perform a miracle, preacher, would you? Open up the scriptures and cause it to come to life, can you? Can you show us something? What have you done for us lately? Come on, Jesus, show us the way. And Jesus said, but I have another, I have another proverb that I'm going to quote instead. No prophet is ever welcome in their own hometown. They all knew me when. It's like the one and only foray that I had into acting was as a youth director. We had an associate pastor at the church there who was into drama, and she wanted to do Godspell. So I said, yeah, I'll be a part of it. And I ended up with the Judas John the Baptist role, which was kind of fun because you could watch all the hair on the back of their necks stand straight up when you stood behind them in the beginning of the show and said, prepare ye, right? Right after worship, right after the play, one of my own family members walked straight up to me and said, I kept waiting for you to screw up a line and you never did. Hmm. Well, I hung up my acting and went into something else. Those people who knew us when, they have the hardest time of all believing that God is moving in a new way. Are you with me? So they began to question. And Jesus said, let me tell you what I'm talking about. There were tons of widows in the time of Elijah. Oh, Elijah, we love Elijah. Tell us an Elijah story. There were tons of widows in Israel, but he picked a foreign widow 
and he blessed her. What are you getting at, Jesus? Well, let me tell you another story about Elisha. Oh, well, Elisha's good too. There were plenty of lepers in the time of Elisha. But he went to Naaman, a foreign leper, and he cleansed him. So just what are you getting at, Jesus? That the gospel that I'm preaching is for everybody. It's a wild animal. It's not a pet that you can put in a cage or throw a leash around and domesticate and, and have it go in and out and, and use the dog door just like you trained it. The gospel is free and wild, unchecked and untamed. It moves at the whim and the will of the Lord God, not at the desires and the longings of individual people. And I may have grown up here in Nazareth, but God has anointed me to be a light to all the nations and especially to those who are hurting. Jesus, by saying today this sermon, this preaching, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, has unchained the gospel from its antiquity in scripture. We can study scriptures as a back then kind of thing, and we can leave it there in a museum. And Jesus has liberated it from those chains and those shackles and brought it forward. We can also condemn the gospel to some far off future promise of pie in the sky. And, and God will sort it out when we get to heaven. And it has nothing to do with right now. But Jesus is talking about right now. And God is on the move. And God is still moving. And I can find nothing in Scripture, though I've turned it lengthwise and I've looked at it from every angle to suggest that the church of God, which is filled with the Holy Spirit, was ever supposed to be anything less than those who continue the ministry of Jesus that began in that synagogue in Nazareth. You will read the title of today's message, and it looks like Presenting the Gospel of Jesus. But what I'm really talking about is presenting the gospel of Jesus, making it real right now. If there will be recovery of sight to the blind, it's because we got involved. If there is release to the captives, it's because we get involved. If there is going to be Relief for those who are oppressed. It's because we are going to stand in between the oppressor and the oppressed, and we are going to announce the good news of God. And the devil be damned. We are not going to let the approval of our friends or our family or the disapproval of our friends or our family deter us from doing our God-given work, which is given to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan was already trying to get in there. They took him to the edge of a hill to throw him off. It turns out in Jewish law, it's just as permissible to throw somebody up against a stone as it is to throw a stone at them. It's fatal either way. And they were going to chuck him off a cliff. And he just passed among them. And he walked off. And the wind was whipping at the robes hanging from their bodies. And their feet and sandals were still wet with dew from the grass. And Nazareth was here and Jesus was on his way. 
And I return to my original question this morning. How do you go back home after that and just open a cold one and watch a game? The Savior of the world, the Christ of God, the Spirit of the Lord God blew through worship and it's moving away. How do you go back home? It's such a moment of choice and urgency on that hilltop in Nazareth. And it's here today, isn't it? Isn't it? Hmm. Jesus didn't leave town that day because the congregation got angry with him. It's time for the church to admit that the congregation got angry with him because he left town. Because he went to do his father's work. And they wanted him to stay there and make them comfortable. How do you go back home? How do you not follow? Jump in line. Walk with. Move along. Stand for. How do you not announce to the world in my church, we not only presenting the gospel of Jesus, we are presenting the gospel of Jesus. That's our theme, brothers and sisters, for the whole year of ministry ahead, is to go follow Jesus outside this door when worship is over and find the merchants and the homeowners and the children and the parents and the lost and the oppressed and those who need our help to go and to put the church back in gear and present the gospel of Jesus to a hungry and waiting world. Amen. Hmm. I put you on a hilltop this morning. It, in a moment of immediacy. But I'm not going to make your choice for you. We all have some work to do. Right here. Amen.